0: Of course, I wasn't right per se. It was negative 37, James. It was negative 37.
1: The Chiefs the receivers no catch the ball fine uh, on Saturday. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like you were wrong to me.
0: W- First time they decided R-O-N-G. to show up. O-N-G. Wrong. It helped when our offense didn't show up whatsoever because they were too cold, apparently, to get off the team bus. And I don't blame them. Also, maybe they should have all worn sleeves, uh, unlike Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill out here uh, posting the photos of his lips before the game saying, why didn't anybody tell me uh, how I looked? You had the Andy Reid mustache. You had the Taylor Swift not even being able to see out the window because it was so fogged up. You had so many moments in that game that made for some very photogenic moments. And that's a problem for me because I'm being told that I agreed to, which I did not, that I agreed to a bet with our producer, I James Steele. I agreed to it,
1: so... Legally binding. I didn't
0: agree to it. I- Ian Fitzsimmons agreed for me, which is not legally My binding. My legal Never experts the less. Have told
1: me that uh, it's com- legally binding. When it comes to wagering, and there was a wager that Kevin Winter, for if people are wondering why in the hell are you all talking about a game that happened on Saturday? It's because James Steele had the day off yesterday on a, on a holiday. He's a diehard Chiefs fan, and this is the first time he's been able to collect uh, with Amber mm. Wilson, who is a diehard Frozen Fish fan. So, mm-hmm. on the end of the show on Friday, Kevin Winter, our Sports Center update anchor, you know, and, and play-by-play man, uh, extraordinaire, comes in going, these, these two need a wager. And he came up with, you know, you have to change your avatar on Instagram and Twitter. And so, mm-hmm. I, I, and the, we are, it's the end of the show, comes in, and I just went judge and jury when it comes to wagering. That's, that's my wheelhouse. <laughs> Accepted. Done. And there it is. So here we are. So, now you so have there to... It is. So
0: here we are. Yes. Now apparently legally I have to change contract. my profile picture. Not apparently. On it's not legally binding. That's not how it works. But no, I, I apparently it. have to That's trade. That's how it works. It's not, not how it works. Uh, I apparently have to change my profile picture. So now we have put up a poll on ESPN Radio. I clearly have not. Uh, they have put up a poll. The powers that be. Rachel Robinson and James Steele put up a poll on ESPN Radio with some picture options. And... Right now, who is the leader in the clubhouse?
1: Andy's mustache is the leader right now by nine Classic. by nine percent. Uh, followed by the Dolphins f- or frauds. Photoshop by our good friend, oh, the, Jerry. which
0: is which is my nightmare, uh, especially my since. My dream. I so go vote. Go very vote well for known for the dolphin in, fraud.
1: Please go in vote. the
0: Miami and the Dolphins community. So I, I do not want to have to have. Dolphins frauds as my profile picture for a week on X. Uh, it will Jerry worked so people. hard on
1: that though. I mean, it would be a shame for that to go to waste. So, uh, uh-huh. Joe
0: Fortenbaugh, of course, listeners. has now gotten involved. He's uh, trying to get people to vote for. He's using reverse psychology to try to get people to vote for Dolphins frauds. So, do me a solid, Dolphins fans. Let's keep it Andy Reid's mustache or T Swift. Because at least those pictures are funny. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. So you can check that out at ESPN Radio. You can also find us at Amber W Sports, at Ian Fitz, ESPN, at J Steele 56 But let's talk about these Philadelphia Eagles. Because, sure, the Dolphins were embarrassing. The Cowboys and the Eagles, though, have taken over the news cycle. So I'm grateful to both of those teams for that <laughs> the collapse here to the Eagles and shout out. We should start the same way with the Eagles in as we started with that Cowboys game because what gets overlooked a bit is the performance that the other team put on right which is a heck of a performance. It's the same here yeah. for Tampa Bay against the Eagles and the story of Baker Mayfield I think is argue Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff like those are truly inspirational stories this season to see those guys make the mark that they have this season for their teams.
1: You know, and Baker Mayfield told Troy Aikman a great story and Joe Buck, and they shared it last night after the blowout was full, fully on, and it was clear that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to go to Detroit and play the other man you just mentioned in Jared Goff. And Baker Mayfield told them when he went to L.A. for those five games, and you kind of cited this before the season began, when we were picking division winners. He looked like mm-hmm. the old Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma, or his rookie year at Cleveland, where he was out there having fun. I mean, and just just being himself, and that's what Sean McVay said. Like, we got nothing to play for. We're down to you, right? You are our third string guy, and now you look tight. Just go play. We got nothing on the line here, man. We're eliminated from the playoffs. Just go be you. And he did, and he carried that now to Tampa Bay where Todd Bowles essentially said him the same exact thing. Go have fun. Go be you. And he looks like he's having a blast. And, he's, and he looks like the Baker Mayfield we saw back at Oklahoma or when he was going, you know, dilly-dilly Cleveland when they won their first game in forever, you know, when that, that the city of Cleveland had that Bud Light promotion going on. That's the Baker Mayfield we have seen this year. And he put up remarkable numbers. I mean, he had, what, four drop passes last night. And statistically, he was still outstanding. Over 300 yards passing, multiple touchdowns, didn't turn it over. I mean, he has truly become the guy in Tampa. And here they are, winning the division, winning a playoff game, and now going on the road to play another feel-good story in the Detroit Lions who are hosting their second playoff game at home in 30 years. I mean, you can't make this stuff up.
0: You can't it's what's so so great about the NFL and certainly two of the most fun storylines right now in the NFL Baker last night 337 yards three touchdowns. He is the first quarterback in Bucks history and this is a team that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl for he is the first quarterback in Bucks history to have an over 300-yard passing game and three passing touchdowns in the same game in the postseason. The Bucs have been a franchise since the 1970s. This ain't a new franchise on the block. That is remarkable. They won multiple Super Bowls. I mean, that's a remarkable statistic. Baker Mayfield did that. The guy who everybody counted out. And I heard the same thing that you said when during the broadcast when they were telling that story about his time with McVay and the Rams. Like, we ain't got nothing here. Like, there's nothing to play for. Who cares? Go out there, yeah, sling it, have Fun and you saw that from Baker. Even that all-out blitz when the Eagles brought the all-out blitz and Baker had like three seconds, and he or not even it was like one second. He get he just bombs it all the way down the field, and I think it was Godwin who came back for the ball and catches it and touchdown because they had blitzed everybody, so of course uh, there was no help, there was no safety help for that corner on that route. Baker's just is living out there and he's just slinging it, and it's so good to see and and. They're, you know, a 10-8 team. I, I'm not suggesting that they've been on fire all season long. But I do think that Baker probably ends up having a home in Tampa again next season. I feel really good for Todd Bowles because I was even questioning him last season. It's a coach that felt quite unproven taking over the helm there. One of those guys that was a great coordinator. You weren't sure that he was making a great head coach there. And he certainly also has made a statement for himself. On the other side, though, for the Philadelphia Eagles, boy. Has it been ugly? Troy Aikman, ESPN Monday Night Football Analyst, was on SVP last night. Here's what it sounded like about the Eagles.
2: You know, I I know there's a difference between what players and coaches say and what they feel. And they said all the right things, but you could tell they weren't feeling it. And it was obvious when they came out here and took the field. So what happens then is you've got to re-energize a fan base, and to do that, typically there's got to be changes. What changes will that be? I I don't know. Will it be Nick Sirianni? I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it is, knowing Jeffrey Lurie and, and his background and what he's done in the past. But you cannot go into next season. And uh, status
0: quo. So that's the conversation now. Changes, are they coming? Nick Sariani, we are going to unpack all of that coming up next here on ESPN Radio.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
0: Eagles season is over. Jason Kelsey has called it a career. That dude's a Hall of Famer, Ian. Yep. It's no question. Canton Canton bound. And for Jason, I mean, he was still it's, it's good. To, I feel like it's good to see guys when they go out still near the top, right? I mean, he absolutely could have been playing in the league. His services certainly uh, would have been desired around the league and he it's he's going out on his own terms.
1: I mean, for guys to start and finish their career especially when they get a ring uh with the same team that's that, that that to me is just special you know i, I mm-hmm. had the privilege of of covering a guy like Dirk nowitzki you know one team you know 20 plus years um i mean it's just and and, and gets the chip that's 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 it's rare in this day and age of free agency and people chasing rings and dream teams and all that kind of stuff and and jason kelsey He's not done yet. It's not official, but there are all the reports that he told his teammates that he was retiring and, and hanging up the helmet. Uh, and there were that, those rumors last year. Remember, he had that big announcement, right. like, "Hey, we're going to run this thing back one more time, coming that close to a second Super Bowl." But you think about where he and his brother Travis came from. You know, uh, heights high. You know, outside of Cincinnati, both Bearcats walk-ons, and here they are. You know, both probably on their way to Ken. Jason definitely. Yep. Travis probably. And now, he's the anchor of that offensive line, and we're talking about Philadelphia problems, and everyone's talking about the head coach. Jason Kelsey is going to be remarkably difficult to replace once this is official. He does all the checks, blitz pickups, all that stuff. He's a quarterback playing center, and you're going to have to replace not just the body and the physicality of that dude and that mentality that he wants to dump truck your ass into a trash can on every single play, but also the mental side of the game as well. That's going to be a big loss for Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, huge loss, huge shoes to fill. I mean, that O-line wasn't as good this season, but... That was the best O line in the entire NFL last season. And you can argue he's been the best center in the entire NFL throughout his entire career, right? 13 year long career. He is headed straight to Canton. Six uh, Pro Bowls. I mean, too, too many, yeah, too many Pro Bowls to even discuss. Uh, seven Pro Bowl appearances, five All Pro appearances, uh, obviously, the Super Bowl win uh, as well. So, Jason Kelsey, hell of a career, not a hell of a season for the Philadelphia Eagles. And because of that, even though this is a team, that, less than a calendar year ago, was in a Super Bowl. We were talking about the head coach poti- uh, potentially being on the chopping block, and that's not something that you normally do when the team was just in a Super Bowl, Ian, and they did not miss the postseason.
1: And they were a different team, though, and I, and I can't put my finger on it unless they just unless it's the coordinators, which, again, uh, Brian Johnson, in full disclaimer, I, you know, I've known him since he was a Utah Ute quarterback beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl for, for an undefeated '09 9 team they didn't adapt amber they were 10 and 1 and the league caught up with them right and he didn't adapt defensive side of the ball they, you had to you had to bring matt patricia down onto the field with the pencil behind his ear and that didn't work out you know when, when you lose both coordinators especially shane steichen to head coaching jobs with indy and arizona respectively and it, it showed once the league caught up with what they were doing they, they won one game in their last six Mm -hmm. including the playoffs, one and six to finish the season when you started out 10 and one. So it's not just Jason Kelsey. It's both coordinators that have to be truly evaluated. And then, I mean, Lane Johnson is still, to me, one of the best right tackles, if not the best right tackle in, in the National Football League right now. The Oklahoma Sooner can still play after 10 years in the league. Is he back? He talked about that after the game last night, you know, in front of his locker. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox on the defensive front. They've been around 12, 13 years as well. That secondary has gotten old with Bradley Roby and company on the back end. People are wondering Trey, like, about Trey Palmer's touchdown, the rookie out of Nebraska who also started LSU on the 2019 team. He was part of that Jamar Chase, you know, Justin Jefferson wideout group. Transfers to Nebraska had over 1,000 yards receiving for the Cornhuskers last year. We all saw that offense. When you, when you go for a grand in that, in that thing, you got skills. Sixth-round draft pick. And he, he, he jukes not one, not two, but three guys in that secondary. You want to know why? 31, 30, and 31 years of age. So we're talking about Sirianni's future, but that roster also might have to have a big-time overhaul when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, one year removed from the Super Bowl.
0: Right, and that's what's so remarkable about this. And by all accounts, of course, Seriani has been a success if you just consider that, that they have the conference championship, that they have a Super Bowl appearance here under the 42-year-old coach's belt. But it has not looked the same with the departure of his coordinators. Jalen Hurts, who you paid, what, $255 million to? I don't have it in front of me, something out of control, that you paid that young quarterback, and of course you did because – he had taken you to the Super Bowl. He had he had showed you the promise. And then Steichen left. And he didn't look quite like the same quarterback this season that we saw. We know the problems. That best O line in the league last season wasn't quite the best O line in the league this season. There were problems all over. And then I do think Gannon also is missed more than people realize as well. Yeah. Defensively, the Eagles yeah. have been pretty atrocious all season long. And you certainly saw it on full display last night against the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, I have not been somebody who has been as high on the Eagles as everybody else at any point. I felt like people started getting too – What's the word? I have noticed in this business <laughs> that there's like a steamroll thing that happens where you know the 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 narrative or the takes and they're like start rolling downhill and they start off reasonable and good and everyone's like yeah that team's good that team's great you know we start buying it that quarterback's that quarterback's really good this is a great story uh, the Jalen hurt story he's really proven himself and then it just starts spinning and spinning and spinning and it gets out of control. And all of a sudden then Jalen hurts is the best quarterback in the league. You get, even though we're only seeing it for, you know, a small season. And, and by the way, it didn't look anything like that. The before that the body of work, but nevertheless, everyone's so convinced off of one season that he's the, I mean, people were arguing the best quarterback in the league. People were arguing he was better than Patrick Mahomes that last season. Right. And, and, and that the Eagles are going to be unstoppable and, and that they're going to be so good. And, and yet Things fell into place for that Philadelphia team. And I'm not – they were very good last season, of course. They make it to a Super Bowl. But also the chips did fall in a particular way, which they have to, in order for any team to make it to the Super Bowl. But you saw the adversity this season. You saw them not have – the same schedule this season in terms of ease because now all of a sudden they had the first-place schedule coming off of that division win last season. And you saw with the departure of the coordinators and the departure of five starters on defense and a couple on offense, all of that matters. And that happens when you find yourself in a Super Bowl and it feels like they weren't able to ride that wave of adversity this season. Yeah, but
1: I, I would also give Jalen Hurts a bit of a pass because he had that banged-up knee and then the hand. You know, and that, that's, that's a fact. I mean, he played through some serious – pain this year, and it, it's. It, I, like, I mean, that's this fine. He's di-
0: he's he's very good, but I, yeah. I would say like we've seen one great season, right? I mean, you could argue. I'd say this, I'd, say, I like go, I'd say
1: half this year before all of last year, and then the first half of, of this past season, and then he gets hurt, uh and you know, and the knee was truly an issue. He like what? Look at the scramble last night. I mean, that, that's the he's a shell of himself. But again, that goes back to the entire offensive line. Uh, you know AJ Brown's banged up, and you missed Shane Steichen calling plays. I mean, they they couldn't. I mean, Todd Bowles and and that game plan last night was we're going to blitz our butts off every single snap until they do something about it, and they couldn't do a damn thing all night. And, and that everybody wasn't knew just, that
0: was the game plan. Everybody and, and, knew and that wasn't that just that last was night.
1: You're going back like the last five weeks. You know they're going to come from every direction, and until you can beat zero coverage, they're going to continue to do it. And they couldn't adjust. So now you have not just an overhaul of the roster that, that needs to happen. And that Howie Roseman's one of the best general managers out there. And there's zero doubt that he that, that will be a part of the offseason makeover. But then you have people calling for Nick Sirianni's head. And I am not a – that's one thing I would not do. Unless he's truly lost that room and I'm not there. And, and you know, uh, I haven't reached out to any of the guys that I know from you know their Georgia Bulldog days or their Bama days. Uh, I will later on the week. But it doesn't feel like he's lost that room. So, now, now Dan Orlovsky's talking about how he's lost the fan base. And that hurts in a city yeah, like Philadelphia. that's an easy fan, but, an easy but, fan but, base but,
0: to lose right. if we're being fair. I mean, it, it, come on. It's but Philadelphia. That,
1: in, in certain cities where an owner listens to the fans, which is never a good thing, and Lurie, it seems like, from afar, listens to that fan base. If I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm listening to the veterans in that room. Do you still believe in Nick Sirianni? And the first guy I'm going to is a guy who, who by all reports, told the team he's retiring, and that's Jason Kelsey. If I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm going, hey, Kels, does he still have the room? And if he says absolutely he does, I'm not firing Nick Sirianni, but uh, but you need to make two. You've got to go and make some changes at the coordinator position.
0: I, I also would be consulting maybe with Jalen Hurts to find out that relationship, right? He didn't, Jalen Hurts didn't give uh, the best endorsement of Sirianni when he was asked about Sirianni maybe being on the hot seat. He said, I didn't know he was going anywhere when he was asked if he wanted Nick Sirianni back as his coach. And he said, and then the reporter replied that, you know, his job could be in jeopardy. And he said, I didn't know that. So that was the words of Jalen Hurts. I wasn't exactly. I I go the opposite. Hell yeah, I want my coach back.
1: I like the opposite. I'm going the other way. Yeah, was he going somewhere? That's basically to me. It's like screw you, buddy. He's my coach.
0: I don't know. It didn't sound like that to me. Uh, But I I would be surprised, frankly, if they move on from Sirianni this season. I do think obviously changes have to come there for Philadelphia, and obviously it's Philadelphia. The voices will be loud. Coming up next, from one disappointing playoff exit to another. I've been telling y'all now, just wait, be patient,
2: they won't let you down. It's one of the worst playoff games the Cowboys have ever played. And exactly where it ranks on your own personal uh, playoff disappointment list is up to you to decide. Very disappointed. I don't think anybody saw this coming. It seems like the most painful cause. We all had such great expectation and we had hope for this team.
0: Cowboys season ended in disappointment. That might be the understatement of the century. Jerry Jones now is canceling radio appearances. Ian, you know if Jerry Jones is foregoing the opportunity to speak to a microphone, there is problems in Dallas.
1: Uh there, there's a big problem in Dallas. And joining us right now is a man who's covered the Cowboys for the better part of two decades. He's a good friend of ours. Uh, Joe Trayhan, lead anchor, ABC Dallas, returns here on from WFAA. Here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson. I'm Ian Simmons, And Joe, uh, you've been into a lot of playoff games, a lot of press conferences. Um, When you hear the legendary voice of the Cowboys and Brad Sham saying that this was arguably the worst playoff performance in Cowboy history, that damn near sums it up. Right now, fallout, you're hearing a lot of it. What do you make of the state of the Dallas Cowboys?
2: Uh, First of all, Amber and Ian, thanks so much for having me on. It is in a complete state of disrepair, um, bewilderment. um, They are searching for answers somewhere in that Johnny Walker blue and deep induced haze that I know Jerry has had to get out of. He has got to figure this thing out because you just couldn't believe what you saw. It was jaw dropping. It was shocking. We have seen this team struggle before, you know, against formidable teams, you think about what happened against the 49ers, you think about what happened against the Bills during this season, but not against a Green Bay secondary that it's best, out, best player, Jair Alexander. He, he had a bum ankle. You just couldn't see this thing coming. And I think it hit a lot of people in that organization square between the eyes.
0: It certainly did do that. We were not talking about that Green Bay defense being elite all season long. The Cowboys certainly made them look every bit of that. So the the blame game is going to happen now in Dallas. And we've seen the blame game before. Normally, Mike McCarthy's name, despite the 12-win season, 12-win season, 12-win season, gets thrown in there. Do you think McCarthy's job at this point is truly, truly in danger?
2: I do. I think it's on the table, Amber, and it has to be. Right. Because remember, let's let's not let's not try and create some revisionist history. Uh, Mike McCarthy was brought here because he had Super Bowl championship pedigree. That's why he got the job. That's what we were sold. And now he's had three opportunities. Right. To try and get them back to that point and no opportunity better than the one they just blew away. And, and because it was in such a non-competitive fashion because it was a complete system failure, that's got to be on the table. Uh, and, and like I said, Jerry Jones has to be making some really tough decisions, um, doing an incredibly difficult evaluation that just hours before, he probably couldn't conceive or fathom. And, and so, yeah, I do think it is absolutely, you know, it's tough. I've, I've called for them to get rid of Mike McCarthy, and let me briefly explain why. The predicament that the Cowboys are in now, if they were to keep him, is that the next regular season would be rendered absolutely meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. Because it's all about the playoffs and the postseason at that point. There would be so much pressure on this group that next postseason. It would be untenable for anyone. But for this team that completely choked away an opportunity the way that they did against the Packers, what are they going to do? How is it going to change? Right? It's the old saw about insanity, right? You keep doing it again and expect different results. I, I just don't see that happening. So they've got to find a way to relieve that pressure. And I think the easiest way, um, the, the path of least resistance, uh, the one that you, know, you don't have to blow up your salary cap, is to get a new head coach.
1: Joe Trahan, lead sports anchor, ABC Dallas WFAA, joining us here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. So having said that, you were standing right next to Jerry in the locker room. You were there. um, And I've never seen him. And We've been in that locker room. We've done those pressers. He's the only owner that I've ever seen after win or lose, goes down to the locker room in front of the players and and does his Jerry thing. Uh, But just from afar, JoJo, he looked about as just (laughs) – distant as I've ever seen him, you were there. What did you read in the moment from Jerry?
2: Well, full, full transparency, Ian, since I am the lead sports anchor. Oh, uh, you're in the w- studio. A- Never mind. There I we don't go. Get, there I don't we get go. to go all the time. But listen, <laughs> but hold on. It, we were looking at that interview like it was the Zapruder film. I'm telling you, man, we were, we were trying to glean anything we could. So I, I looked at it, and listen, Jerry was um, – the, the, the point I made to be completely transparent is they've got a, a new director of communications Tad Carper. And, and I turned and told a few of my producers and colleagues, he's really good because he kept Jerry on point and Jerry did not go off on the sort of emotional tangents that you and I Ian have seen him do so many times in those post-game scrums, right? Jerry didn't do it. Um, and he held back. And so I said, maybe that's, that's why he looked he distant. <laughs> yes. But, but you, you and I know what was burning inside of him. Because we didn't just create the kind of opportunity they had. Everybody knew it was all laid out in front of them. You know, the fact that they were so good at home, seemingly um, invincible. And, and then to just be non-competitive, to just not show up, I mean, you you, you already know because you know how much Jerry wants to win this thing again and wants to run one back and be able to get one of those Lombardis, you know, without the influence of Jimmy Johnson on it. So it was killing him, but he did a very good job of staying on, on task and on point.
0: Joe Trahan, lead sports anchor for ABC (laughs) Dallas. He doesn't have to schlep in a locker room anymore. You've come that far. Uh, Let's talk about then, Joe, since you think that McCarthy's got to go, where do the Dallas Cowboys go in terms of coaches?
2: Yeah, no, it's a great question because that's where we go next, right? Um, I I suspect that Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones probably can't play nicely together in the sandbox. I don't know if that's an option. I don't think it is um
1: joey uh, you know why days. bill parcells is belichick's mentor that's the first <laughs> phone call he made and bill and jerry didn't exactly also see eye to eye right so, he, well,
2: so- well, well and jerry doesn't need to jerry doesn't need to get another stadium built right, either, right. because that's the real reason he hired right. bill, bill parcells yep. right to get yep. that thing back on track so they could get that stadium built so the stadium's perfectly fine so yeah that's not going to happen right um you think about jim harbaugh he had issues with, with management when he was uh, with the 49ers. That's probably not going to happen. So then you start thinking about some of the available candidates that left other teams. Uh, Pete Carroll, probably not the right answer. Mike Grable, I don't know. And then after that, you got to think, who's the next um, D'Amico Ryans? Um, who's that next young coach who, who, can, who can band teams together? And I know that's going to be a very difficult way to go, but, I mean, you think about – uh, ben Johnson or Slowick from the, from the, uh, from the Texans. And you've got to you got to turn over every rock. And then there is one other name. And this is very controversial right now here in Dallas, but does he consider elevating Dan Quinn? Because he thinks Dan Quinn is a better leader of men than Mike McCarthy. Everybody's like, Oh, the, the defense was awful. They were, they're awful. Well, Jason Garrett's offense was awful right before he got elevated after they got rid of Wade Phillips. Ian, you remember that well. Oh, yeah. So I don't think that's completely off the table. So, you know, I, I don't know which way he goes. And, and, again, that's why there's a lot of Johnny Walker Blue getting consumed somewhere, <laughs> somehow.
1: JoJo, <laughs> what about Dak? I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, how, how much do you pay him? To me, he's not going anywhere. What do you think?
2: Ian, you know how much I respect that young man. He has done everything right, work ethic, leadership, everything. The guy's done it all right. But unfortunately, the losses and, and, and not being able to reach his best play in the moment, it's starting to mount. He's 2-5 and five now in playoff games, right? Um, and, and, and he's lost four of the last five interceptions mounting um, in these last few games. So it's interesting, right? Because again, three days ago, I was ready to write the story about how, you know, all right, it's time. Go ahead and extend the guy. He's your guy. And we'll see how far they can ride him. Well, again, that's that narrative has changed. Um, What happened in that game against the upstart Packers has completely turned Dallas and Cowboyville upside down. And it's, again, I alluded to the, the salary cap issue, right? He's going to be a $59 million um, cap cost, $61 million in dead money. If you try to do anything to move him. Um, so I, I don't know how that looks. Um, I, I don't know if, if Jerry just comes, you know, out of wherever he is and says, listen, they both have one more year on their contract, right? They're tied at the hip because Mike McCarthy has a ball of the offense and Dak played as, as best as he, the, the best football we've seen from him with Mike McCarthy calling the shots. Does Jerry just come out and say, listen, you got one more shot. Y'all, it's the last year, both of your contracts, win or else? I don't know.
0: they are not going to have much of a shot uh, with the, that cap hit from Dak that's coming that way their way next season. Joe Trahan, you can check him out on ABC Dallas. Thanks, Joe.
2: All right. Thanks so much, you guys. Great talking to you, Ian. Take care, Amber. See you, bud.
0: Thanks. So we are at a halftime right now in the matchup between Jokic and Embiid. It is a tied game between the Nuggets and the Philadelphia 76ers, 78-78. to 78. Jokic on the night so far, 15 points, 6 of 11, uh, and a few assists. Joel Embiid, 23 points. 8 of 12, uh, making an impact in every way. Both of those guys, of course. We'll keep you updated on that action. Plus, coming up next here on Amber and Ian, is Tua the long-term answer for my Miami Dolphins at quarterback? We will get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app.
2: Stores right side. Top rice at the five. Anglican right. Touchdown, Kansas City. It goes to Pacheco, spinning, now moving to the left side, Pacheco,
0: touchdown! It was cold, but I think at the end of the day, you got to just be mentally tough enough to just say that it's not going to affect how we play, it's not going to affect my effort.
1: looks like the people with some icicles in the mustache. Man, it's the worst thing that could happen is it falls off, right? See Coach Reed with his frozen mustache, you see Pat Mahomes <laughs> with the crack helmet. Those are legendary moments that I'll never forget. Legendary
0: moments for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not so much for my Miami Dolphins... Our season is over. We had a multiple game lead on the division. Coughed it all up at the end of the season. Went from the best offense in the entire NFL throughout the entire regular season to not even showing up offensively against the Kansas City Chiefs and Arrowhead. I get it was negative 37. But that wasn't in on the side of the ball that you thought that they were going to struggle. And that was what was strange. I mean, you expected at least that running game. It wasn't snowing. I know it was windy and I get that it was ungodly cold. I can't even imagine. I've never even experienced that level of cold in my life. However, it was the offense that was completely stagnant, could not do anything whatsoever. The defense actually kept them in that game far longer than we expected. So shout out to Vic Fangio for having his side of the ball ready to go. But that offense is sputtered here down the stretch. And it's another year and another story from Tua Tungavaloa where it doesn't look the same in December as it did in all of the other months. And that's just been the story of the Dolphins for so long now, Ian, that people are questioning as Tua is a quarterback that did not get an extension last offseason when everybody else in his class did, who's elite? all the, the Joe Burrows and the Jalen Hurts of the world and the Justin Herberts, those guys all got paid. They all got drafted right around Tua in that same draft. Instead, the Dolphins picked up Tua's fifth-year option, said, prove to us that you can stay healthy. And Tua did, in fact, stay healthy. He played the entire season in 95% of the snaps.
1: Who led the league in passing yards?
0: Tua Tungavaloa
1: who had over eight yards per completion, and there's only two other dudes that had more than he did. It's Tua Tungabaloa. Tua
0: Tungabaloa. Yeah,
1: almost completed 70% of his passes. Uh, there were only, what, four quarterbacks that threw for more touchdown passes than he did. Dak being one mm-hmm. of them, by the way. Um, you know, two to one uh, you know, touchdown INT ratio. I think Tua proved himself worthy of an extension, without a doubt, and a new contract. I mean, it was a prove-it year, and I thought he proved it. You know, Look. When you go on the road in, in those kind of conditions, and you, you mentioned last night that you don't like uh, you know, elements in your, in your NFL game. Well, if you're playing that game at home, it's balmy, and you've got a team that's used to cold weather coming down to your place. I mean, I've done several not games. Really in, not Dude, really in
0: January, though. And it's not, it's still, not that hot.
1: I, look, I, I remember a game that I did there toward the end of the year, and it was against the Patriots. And for some reason, man, teams from up north, especially in your division, they don't play well down there. I yeah, mean, the Patriots never ever. Don't. Tom
0: could never win down here. It was always his kryptonite coming down to Miami. Whatever it was,
1: whether it was the humidity, the heat, whatever, man. I mean, I love but the not, elements. By,
0: by the way, by the way, in hindsight, that was weird because then I saw that man go win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, <laughs> right? right? Where he spent the entire <laughs> season there. So that was strange. Anyways, I digress.
1: There are some gremlins. I mean, some hoodoo voodoo creeps in in certain places for certain teams, and you know, the, for some reason, the Pats couldn't go down to Miami and win. But Tua, to me, proved this year that he's worthy of a contract extension. When you lead the damn league in passing yards, you complete nearly 70% of your passes for almost a first down every time you do it. And there's only how many guys? I mean, I was going off the top of my head. I said four or five as far as more touchdown passes than he did. Um, You got Dak had more. Uh, Jordan Love, by the way, had more. Brock Purdy Jared Goff, and he's tied with Josh Allen for most touchdown passes Mm -hmm. on the year. Yeah. And here's the other part. So I'm giving him a new contract. And oh, by the way, here's the other part. When you're saying, like we were talking to Joe Trahan, who's covered the Cowboys for years uh, from ABC Dallas. He's going, you know what? You got to fire Mike McCarthy, and you might have to reconsider on Dak. Well, here's my question. Whenever you do that with a guy like Dak or a guy like Tua Tungabaloa, who are you getting that's better?
0: I don't have an answer. I have been fighting with Dolphins fans here the last few days about this, as Dolphin fans have been messaging me about this exact thing. So many Dolphins fans right now are out on Tua. Now, given there's been a collection of Dolphins fans who have never bought into Tua, so the cries there have always been loud. And Tua has had question marks, right? He did not look like the same quarterback under Brian Flores. A lot of that looks like a coaching situation. Then Mike McCarthy or, or Mike McDaniel comes in. He looks, not Mike McCarthy, Mike McDaniel and Cowboys. On my mind. Mike McDaniel comes in and he looks like a different quarterback. And we said, okay, it was the coach, right? And so now he's got the confidence. However, then you had the concussions and you had concussion, concussion, concussion. He was out for so much of the season because of the concussions. It was so ugly. There was the controversy over all of that last year. So then the question wasn't any longer, could he work well in a certain system? We had answered that question. And it wasn't, is he accurate or even his arm strength anymore because he had answered all that it was then his health and we said okay that's the final factor we got to find out can this guy stay healthy we know what his record is stemming back to college and high school he had never finished a season ever ever in the history of his football life he had never finished and played an entire season he just did it ian and the cries are still loud. And my question is, and I'm not out here saying Tua is the end-all be-all because I do think there's limitations. He is not a dual-threat quarterback. And in 2024, I could understand if Mike McDaniel would prefer a dual-threat quarterback. You're not going to find somebody who's more accurate. You're probably not going to find somebody, frankly, who's a better passer from the pocket. But could you find somebody who's more athletic than Tua? Absolutely. Absolutely. You certainly could do that. Could you find a quarterback who scrambles better under pressure? Sure. You probably could do that. But here we are once again questioning Tua, even though Tua had over 4,600 passing yards this season and was part of the MVP conversation the majority of the season. And you did have a double-digit win season for the Dolphins, and they were right there with the lead in the division for so long during the season it's an interesting thing because he's guaranteed just over 23 million in 2024 and then that's it uh, because they had picked up his fifth year option so there's no security after that chris canty he hosts a show here on espn radio called unsportsmanlike he thinks the dolphins should move on
2: why am i going to double down on you knowing that With the sample that you've given me, it's not going to be good enough to get our team to the championship rounds. It just doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that the Miami Dolphins need to get rid of Tua. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it would be foolish for the Miami Dolphins to pay him today. It would be foolish for them to consider extending
0: him this offseason. Okay, but we already did play that game last offseason, and I was a huge advocate of them not paying him last offseason because I said, let's find out if he can stay healthy. I do always wonder why we feel like these these guys have to get paid. Like, even with Dak, you know, like they're going to show up to work next season. What happens if they don't get paid?
1: I mean, they may not. You can hold out. We've seen that also. You can.
0: Now, with Dak, he's he's got a lot more power, too, because the cap hit than Tua does. No doubt about it.
1: So, it's, you know, to me, Tua proved that he can stay healthy and he put up big numbers. Big numbers. Like, top five in every major category. So if I'm the Dolphins, you know it all depends on what he wants. Does he want to be paid like a top three guy? That's, that's a whole right. different conversation.
0: Well, then that's, that's part of this conversation. What does he want? How can you structure it? And should you be looking at trading for Justin Fields? Coming up next here <laughs> on ESPN Radio, it sounds like Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere. So what is next for the Pittsburgh Steelers? ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app.